Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here. Oh my goodness, I am so excited for this episode of the Read Aloud Revival. I'll tell you why. Today we're doing something we've never done before. We're sharing highlights from a few of the author access events that have happened in the Read Aloud Revival membership over the last year or so. Now, let me tell you what these author access events are. Uh, When you listen to this Read Aloud Revival podcast, you get to hear me having conversations with authors and illustrators, experts, moms, leaders in the children's book world, right? But what about your kids? I know that your kids have their own great questions they'd like to ask And so in Read Aloud Revival membership, we give them a chance to ask authors and illustrators themselves. Author access events are basically unlike anything you've seen before. (laughs) You know, when you were a kid and an author would visit your school, I loved those days. They didn't happen very often. I usually didn't recognize the authors our school got to come, but they inspired me all the same. And it was so much fun to meet a real flesh and blood author or illustrator. They seemed almost mythological to me. so excited when I was a kid. Well, we live in this amazing digital age, right? And a couple of years ago, I thought it would be fantastic to bring authors, including the authors our kids would recognize, to our living rooms. Every month, we do an author access event, and we bring the very best authors and illustrators to your kids live. Your kids get to ask their questions and get them answered on screen. And they're all done in live video. And then those are captured and replayed for all of our members. So members can come live. And if they can't make it live, they get to watch the replays. Well, today on the podcast, we're just going to replay a few audio snippets. Obviously, I can't show you the videos on a podcast. It's not quite the same. But I'm going to show you a few snippets from the author access events that we've had in membership. We've had a lot of them. We do one every single month. And each of them is an hour long. So this is truly just a taste because I'm going to give you a little taste of about from about six of our authors, show you a little bit about what that's like. Now, before we begin, I want to make sure you know that enrollment for Read Aloud Revival membership is open now through April 6th. We're only opening enrollment up to the world twice in 2017. So you don't want to miss our enrollment period. Get in now until 10 p.m. Pacific on April 6th. Otherwise, you're going to need to wait until fall of 2017 to join us. There's a lot more than just author access events in membership. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a bit. You can see for yourself by going to rarmembership.com. But for now, let me give you a taste of the amazing authors we have in membership for what we call author access. Here we go. 
heard the episode I did in January where I talked about the best books being written by today's living authors, then you know that I think it's very important that we get to know and also encourage the men and women who are making our kids soul food in the way of books. You know, letting them shake hands, so to speak, in author events is one of my favorite ways to do that. So one thing that I've learned as we've talked to so many authors and illustrators at these author access events is that these artists take their work seriously. I mean, maybe seriously isn't actually the right word, but they understand that the books they make for our children are really significant. I have so much respect for how much weight these authors and illustrators put into their work, how high of a standard they hold themselves and their own work to. So listen in here as Andrew Clements shares about how important it is to him to make a worthwhile book for kids. And that's the great thing about good books. They, they really stay with you for your whole life. And I can't tell you how, you know, I, I think about this a lot. You know, when I'm, when I'm starting to write a new book for kids, I think, does what I'm writing today deserve to become a permanent part of somebody else's childhood? It's a big responsibility. And I, I think about that. I thought about that, too, as our own kids were growing up, because there's so many different kinds of books that kids can get a hold of these days. And I'm, you know, uh, my wife and I were careful to, to say, well, let's find the books that are what we feel. And it is subjective. It is something that you have to make your own decisions and your own opinions about. But we, we always tried to find the books that we felt were really good books. And people define good in lots of different ways. But we thought, you know, if you say, well, this is going to become a part of this young man, you know, in our case, all four boys, it's going to become part of this young man's childhood. What deserves to be a permanent part of this kid's childhood? It feels it's a big responsibility. And I take that responsibility seriously as a writer. And I know that all the people who are inside on a a Sunday afternoon listening to some guy like me, instead of out doing all the other things, I know that everyone watching takes books seriously too. So what a great privilege to, to be in this little crowd today. often say at the Read Aloud Revival that it's an enormous responsibility and also a privilege to decide where our kids get their stories from, as stories shape and form them in such an important and unique way. You could hear that respect Andrew has for the responsibility, right? You could hear it in his voice. He's the author of one of my favorite books, Frindle. I love that book most of all because it's not preachy or didactic at all. And for the most part, you think you're just reading some simple school story. It's really funny. It just seems light. And then you get to the ending. Yeah, well, that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) We'll have a link to Frindle in the show notes. If you have elementary or middle schoolers who maybe read aloud time has gotten kind of dull or lifeless, read that one. It is so much fun. It's definitely an elementary school grade book, but it's your middle schoolers will laugh their way through as well. Go to readaloudrevival.com, look for episode 61, and you'll find you'll find a link to Frindle by Andrew Clements. So S.D. Smith is the author of the Green Ember series, and he also came to do an author access event. And during his event, he dove into not just the idea that books written for children need to be good enough to be worthy of their place in your kid's childhood, 
but also that they have a formative power. Listen to what he shared with us during his author access event. And I think if we look at ourselves, look at our own lives and think, I'm a character in a story. I'm not the author. That's someone else's responsibility. And there's a lot to that, a lot to thinking about that. And that should, I think, inspire us to be humble. But, you know, what do, what do our favorite characters do? What do characters we love do? And I mean, characters that I love, I think about them and I think something that they do is that they make decisions. And nobody really enjoys reading a passive character. You know, something just kind of happens. I sometimes tell kids about, you know, what if St. George, he's going up there and the dragon's kind of having his little snack. And what if St. George was just like started popping popcorn and mm, well, it's pretty cool, you know, eat her, bite her, bite her, you know. What if he did that? We would, not, we would not love that story very much if he was passive, if he was just watching that happen. And uh, I think we love characters that make decisions. That's not okay. I'm going to do something about this dragon, St. George. And he's, he's great. So they make, they make decisions and they take action and they change the story. And I think even when you're a kid, even when there are limitations on you, you are still living a fascinating story of adventure. Maybe even the more the adversity, the more challenges, the more limitations, the more kind of opportunity for a sort of incredible story is there. And I just, I guess I just want to challenge you and me and all of us, grownups and kids alike, to think about our lives as stories and to receive that with humility, but also with kind of like a little, yeah, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to take action, for me to make decisions, to take action, to not be passive but to take action and change my story. Mm, Our lives are a story and we should all be inspired by the characters in the books we read to live a better story. So inspiring, right? The kids in the chat box that day were really excited about that idea. I love seeing kids get excited about big ideas like this. And during author access events, kids are typing in the chat box. That's where they put in their questions that I ask out loud. And it's also where they talk to each other. And it's really fun and exciting to see some of the good conversations happening in there. I love that authors can come talk to our kids and inspire them in those big ways. A lot of times during these events, authors will share the backstory of creating their books with us. And illustrators, they'll show us their art supplies, light tables, watercolors. Authors will show us their marked up manuscripts and their messy desks. (laughs) It's really fun to get that behind the scenes peek. In some cases, they share their personal stories that tell more about the books they've written or how they've come to write the books they've written. Like Candace Fleming shared about her books, Box for Katja. Listen in and find out about how she decided to write her beautiful picture book, Boxes for Katja. Oh, it's based on my, you know, it's my mother's story. When I was a kid, my mom had stories that she would tell about growing up in the 1930s and 1940s. And I loved those stories. And I always say, if you've got, you know, if you can get your parents or your grandparents to tell them stories about, tell you stories about when you were a kid, you'll discover all kinds of of wonderful things. But my mom, she really should have been a storyteller because she told the story exactly the same way every single time. Like she used the same hand gestures and everything. Um, But she would tell me about when she was younger Right after World War II, kids all across the United States, she had taken a shoebox and she in it, she'd put a few items, a bar of soap, a pair of socks, Hershey bar. It was a K-ration actually right after World War II. So they actually had a little wax and a little paraffin, so they didn't melt. But they were made for the soldiers in the field to be carried and not melty. But they sent these things um, to Europe and they sent them 
to kids in Europe through Catholic charities. And what happened was that those items were given to kids in Holland. And the reason, of course, that they, they were not just Holland, but other countries. And the reason they were was that kids in Europe had just gone through five years of war. So their homes are gone, their shops are gone, their towns are gone. Many of them didn't have enough food to eat or enough clothing. And kids in the United States, while they couldn't solve those big problems, they really knew that they really wanted kids in Europe to know that they were thinking about them. And so these good little goodwill items got sent to kids across Europe. And thousands of kids in the United States did that right after World War II, which was what I think is a really cool thing that, you know, you could do something for someone, even that small, that really made a difference. And my box, my mom's box ended up in a little girl's hands whose name actually was Katja von Stegrad. And they actually had a correspondence. And my mother, along with her mother and the ladies in, in my mother's church, actually ended up sending box after box after box of food and clothing to this family who then shared it with their own neighbors and friends. So they ended up, truly ended up, it was a little town in Indiana called Michigan City. In the book, I call it Mayfield, but it was actually Michigan City, Indiana, which is right up on the border of Lake Michigan, right up on Lake Michigan. This little town in in Indiana ended up taking care of this little town in Holland through what turned out to be like the very worst winter of the 20th century, like, like a fierce, cold, terrible winter. And I think that's just, I mean, remember, she would tell me this story. I thought it was amazing. So when I got older, I had to, I had to share that story with the world. And it was a, it was a great thing I got to do for my mother. So that's and, beautiful. Well, and the cool thing is, I just have to tell you this because it's just way too cool. And it's sort of a secret. This picture of the little girl, the American girl character, Rosie, my mother's name is really Carol, but this is Rosie based on my mother. And Stacy McQueen discovered this was my mother. She asked for a picture. So this is sort of my mother's face. Although my mom is not a redhead, but she was happy to be a redhead in the story. <laughs> she was always grateful. She was also 10 years younger in the story. So another thing <laughs> she was grateful for. I would like to be a redhead if I was ever in a story. Too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Candace Fleming has written some of my favorite picture books. We read her picture books, Oh No, and Muncha, 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 at least once or twice a week, year round at our house. My kids can practically recite Muncha, Muncha, Muncha in their sleep. It's pretty funny. We get authors and illustrators of all kinds in author access at the Read Letter Revival. Picture book authors, illustrators, middle grade novelists, authors of books for teens, nonfiction authors, and illustrators. Last year, we invited the nonfiction author and poet Laura Purdy Salas onto Author Access, and she talked a little bit about how she chooses what kinds of books that she writes. I thought you might like to hear it. Okay, well, Greta is six, and she wants to know why you choose to write science books. Greta loves science. Oh, Greta, you're a girl after my own heart then. (laughs) You know, I don't know what it is that makes that draws each of us to different topics, but all the way back in school when I was a kid, you know, I, I would never, it's not that I feel like one topic is more important than another. So I know history and geography and social studies and politics, all those topics are so important. But for me, you know, it's the little science facts and both biology kind of science and nature science, but also tech stuff and robotics and all sorts of cool stuff like that. I'm not as good at that kind of science. But science stuff is just what 
gets an emotional reaction from me usually. And that's a lot of times how I know something would be fun for me to write about it. If it's something that makes me either go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Or I'm horrified by something like sometimes something I've written poems about something that scared me, an animal that scared me. So science topics just happen to be the ones that get an, a really visceral, I can feel it in my stomach kind of reaction. And usually a topic that makes you feel that way, that's a topic that you're going to like writing about. And you're probably going to be better at writing it. You know, you'll have more patience to dig into the research and you'll just really attack it with passion. And that's a great thing in your writing. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer and here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? <laughs> fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. community enjoyed her hour with us so much that she's coming back next month in April to teach a whole family workshop about playing with poetry. Whole family workshops are something we do in Read Aloud Revival membership where kids and their parents, their grownups, get to play together with words. They're really fun. We did one last January with Jonathan Bean on Illustration 101. So much fun. And that one is available in replay and membership. Kids get to learn how to, and parents, <laughs> get to learn how to tell simple stories with pictures. And he gave us this whole behind the scenes about how a picture book is made. So interesting. Anyway, in April, she's coming to do one on poetry. We're really excited. It's going to be a blast. That there's kind of a lot of mystery behind the world of making books, right? I've always wondered how, for example, authors of amazing nonfiction books like David Macaulay's are made. David Macaulay has written and illustrated books, let's see, Cathedral, Pyramid, Castle, The Way Things Work. You'd probably recognize them if the titles themselves aren't ringing a bell. He came into Author Access and told us all about it. And I was completely surprised to learn that he doesn't actually know most of the topics he writes and illustrates about before he writes and illustrates them. He actually writes books about things he doesn't know about so he can learn about them. So cool. So here's a story he shared with us about researching for his book, Ship. 
I think my favorite research, however, was for a book called Ship, because it was underwater archaeology. That was the subject. And so, and I didn't know anything about underwater archaeology, as usual. And so I wanted to do a book about underwater archaeology, but also about a particular kind of ship called the Caravel. You know, Christopher Columbus. Okay. Uh, Santa Maria is basically the freighter. And then there are two caravels, the Nina and the Pinta. And those are the little speedy ships. Those are the quick ones. Those are the ships that can go up river and uh, sail closer to the shore without uh, running aground and things of that nature, leaving the big tub further out and will just, you know, carry stuff back and forth with rowboats. So I, I introduced myself to these people and we went to Mexico. They taught me how to use a snorkel in the pool of the swimming of the, of the hotel. Okay. And, and then they taught me how to use a tank and scuba gear the next day. So that was it. Those were my lessons. Snorkel one day, scuba gear the next day. And then we went out. Oh and um, it, was, it was a little hairy. I was, I guess I was down to about 15 feet. It wasn't that, that deep, 15, 20 feet below, you know, waterline. And, um, but I was watching them work and, and feeling the current pushing me away, hearing the sounds, watching fish occasionally come through. I have to tell you that I was terrified basically that, that whole time. And I knew that I really didn't want to spend more time than necessary underwater because it's not where I belong. So I used up my tank and got, took it back up, got rid of it, and spent the rest of the afternoon with the snorkel on, floating over them, making drawings of them working on this coral reef, laying out a grid so they could begin to make a map of the coral reef and locate any artifacts that they might find from wrecks. And so that was one of those extraordinary experiences. Wow. Um, and there's more. I mean, it was just one of those, one of the real pleasures of doing what I do. As you can probably tell, we have a lot of fun with these. In fact, during this particular event with David McCauley, one of the kids asked him to draw her a horse. <laughs> okay, so I told you they type in the chat box, right? So you, they can type in questions and we ask as many as we can get to during the event. And Hillary asked him to draw her a horse. And David McCauley said, ah, I don't really draw horses. Horses and humans. He said he could draw buildings in his sleep, but not so much horses and humans. But he did it anyway. He whipped out a piece of paper and a pen and he drew her a horse on the spot. I'll tell you what, he signed that drawing and he sent it to me in the mail and I have it to frame in my office. <laughs> Listen into this. This is him drawing something on the spot for Hillary. Really fun. What's important about this is you see that there's no magic to this. For me to draw a horse, I have to sit down and, and look at one. Or, I mean, it's not much of a horse. That's it's a funny. pretty good horse. Something <laughs> That's a lot better than my horse would have looked like. <laughs> you, you know, you, it's, you look, at, look how big this part is. And look how small, comparatively, this part is. So my scale is completely off. But when you're drawing on tracing paper, it doesn't matter. You can fix it. You'll, you'll finally figure it out. It, some things are just you know, beyond my experience, I've never actually spent a lot of time drawing animals or drawing people. I can draw buildings in my sleep, but I can't draw animals and people very well. I really have to work at it, but I appreciate it. You've, you've drawn a perfect donkey. Donkey. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's got that, it's got that sort of donkey feel to it. <laughs> and um, Hillary is saying, thank you. My daughter will love this forever because David McCauley drew her a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to try to help. You could probably draw a better horse yourself though, Hillary. Go for it. Pretty 
Jenny Venny. Well, perhaps one of the most powerful author access events we've had was rather recent. Just earlier this year, we invited Andrea Pinkney, the author behind A Poem for Peter, a picture book about the snowy days, Ezra Jack Keats. We had her on and she inspired the heck out of the kids who came, especially the kids who struggle with school and those who are fighting dyslexia. Give a listen to this one. Leo is nine and he wants to know what your path to becoming a writer was like. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, Leo, I'm so glad. Now, did you mention, you said Leo was nine years old? Mm -hmm. Okay, Leo, that's the golden age. I will tell you that when I was about your age, my daddy gave me a notebook. And he said, I want you to write everything in this notebook. I want you to write about your cat, Mickey, and your sister, Lynn, and your brother, PJ, and your Barbie dolls, and your trips, and your toys, and your summer camp, and things that make you happy, and things that make you sad. And that's what I did. And that was when I knew that I really liked writing about things that were important to me. And then when I was in the sixth grade, I will tell you, Leo, I was not a very good student. I really struggled in school. And now I realize I have, like I said, I have a daughter and a son and they have something known as dyslexia. So they struggle with reading. Um, My husband has dyslexia. So we come from a family of people who really struggled with reading. And that was definitely true of me. Anyway, when I was in the sixth grade, I entered a writing contest at my school and I wrote a story about a man made of fire. And I don't even remember that I entered the contest because I'm sure my story had a lot of misspellings. I think my teacher might have entered it. And believe it or not, my story won the contest. And I got to take my prize was that I got to take my whole family out to dinner at the Red Lobster restaurant. And I thought, this is it. I want to be a writer. And that was the beginning for me. I knew it right then. Someone had thought my story was worth winning and that I got to feed my family by writing. So, which I still do today, actually. So that's when I knew that I really wanted to be a writer. Uh, Micah is nine and there is a note here. He said, I really love the song you sang. I have dyslexia and my mom says I can be a writer too. I'm starting to think I can. Oh, Micah, I'm so glad. I can't wait for you to write your book because I want to see you on Read Aloud Revival. There were several kids who were chatting into the chat box, encouraged in the midst of their own dyslexia. So Andrea actually told us that her father-in-law, and I'm sure you probably have seen his books too, he is the award-winning children's book illustrator, Jerry Pinkney. He was dyslexic as well. And that was just really encouraging to the kids who came to that event to hear all these success stories that no doors were closed for the Pinkneys. It gets better though. (laughs) Ready? So Micah had another question during the event, and here's how that one went down. This is a really fantastic question from Micah, who's nine. And he says, the way you write makes me think of music. What is your favorite song and who is it by? Oh, my gosh. Micah, that's a great question. Okay. Well, my favorite song is an old spiritual that goes like this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. If your name is Micah, I hope you let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, Micah, let it shine. Oh, my goodness. I love these events so much. Now, that was just a peek. Those were selections from the six different author access events we've done, but we've actually done 20 of them. And when you join Read Aloud Revival membership, you get access to all of them right away. So you can look for your favorite authors or authors from your kids' favorites and and choose some to watch right away. In addition to those replays, members get to come to the author access events live 
which means that your kids can ask questions themselves online during the event and get them answered live on video. There's just, there's really nothing quite like being there live to light your kids up. Even we hear a lot from members who tell us they join membership for other reasons and they thought, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't come to the author access events. But once they've come, their kids are so inspired. It's a really meaningful experience. So our very next guest at Read Aloud Revival membership is Tommy DePaola. Yes, sirree, for real. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when we got a yes from Tommy DePaola that he would love to come to Read Aloud Revival membership, I called my husband at work to squeal on the phone. <laughs> I was so excited. He'll be in membership on April 18th, 2017. And then other upcoming authors include the illustrator Marla Frazee, who I am absolutely certain you will recognize her work. Selvin Silly Eaters comes to mind, but she has illustrated so many books. A Grace Lynn, The Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, When the Sea Turned to Silver, and others. Andrew Peterson, the famous musician and the author of The Wing Feather Saga. Mary Rose Wood, the author of The Incorrigible Children of Ashton Place series. Jane Yolen, yeah, for real, and others. Listen, at the Read Aloud Revival, we know that you want to make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids. And we also know that sharing books with your kids gives you a chance to be fully present and enjoy them. As a busy homeschooling mom of six, I completely understand that when the house is a mess and the laundry pile is just overflowing and life feels crazy, spending a few minutes reading with my kids, even the kids, maybe especially the kids that can read to themselves, it's the most important thing I do all day. And that's why I created this Read Aloud Revival membership program. It's a place where intentional parents can go to get the tools and the inspiration they need to make meaningful and lasting connections with their kids through books. In membership, we do this in three simple steps. First, you get equipped by taking a masterclass or a workshop for membership. Your enthusiasm as a parent is contagious. So this is not to be taken lightly, right? We have over 10 video masterclasses and workshops specifically for you, the parent, inside membership that you can watch as a Read Aloud Revival member at any time you'd like. You can get a full list of the masterclasses that we have available now if you go to rarmembership.com and you'll see the list there. Well, after you get equipped with one of those masterclasses, you want to inspire your kids. That's step two. And that's what these author access events do. And let me tell you, they do it in spades. Step three is that you tap into a community, a community that loves talking about and recommending books and others who are doing the same important work of connecting with their kids through books, just like you are. Our Read Aloud Revival member forum is easily the most often mentioned favorite part of membership. Just last month, we heard from a member who said, and I quote, this forum is worth its weight in gold. <laughs> and then Stephanie said, I feel like I have found a place where I belong. I've searched high and low for like-minded people. It's such a comfort for me to find my people. There's more to membership. You can see everything that's included when you head to rarmembership.com. And enrollment is only open twice in 2017 to the public. So you want to get in now while you can. Enrollment is open now, March 28th, 2017 through April 6th at 10 p.m. Pacific. If you don't join by then, you'll have to wait until enrollment opens up in October, which is a million years away, right? <laughs> then you'd miss all the wonderful live of online events we've got going on during that time, like Tommy DePaola and Andrew Peterson. <laughs> so you don't want to miss out on those. Go to rarmembership.com to join us. We have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you decide it's not for you, you can cancel 
and get a refund within 60 days. And there's no commitments to membership. So you don't have to mem- you know, join for a certain minimum amount of time. You can cancel at any time. Join now until April 6th. And if you're listening to this after April 6th, you want to put your name on the waiting list so that you're first to know about our fall enrollment. Enrollments are only open for 10 days each. So you want to get on that list so you don't miss out. Head to rarmembership.com to do that. Read a Lot Revival Membership will help you nourish the kind of relationships in your home that you so long for. It'll help your entire family fall in love with books and it will really and truly transform the culture in your home so that you're connected with one another, prepared for the, what the world throws at you, inspired to live as heroes and heroines in your own story and full of love and wonder and appreciation for the people and the world around you. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. I'm Mikael, and I'm three. I live at Tennessee, and I like where do animals live. Where do baby animals come from? Where do baby animals come from. And what do you like about the book? Because the baby pain is so keen. That's great. I am Levi and I am five years old. I live in Tennessee and the title of my book is The Wizard of Oz. And the favorite thing about it is that they are creative and think about how to get over all the obstacle courses. I live in California. I'm Mia, and my favorite book is Cat in the Hat. It, he's silly, and and he has lots of feet. And how old are you, Mia? Four. My name is Alyssa. I live in California. I am eight. My favorite series is Jack and Annie, The Magic Treehouse. And my favorite book in the series is The dolphin book. My favorite part is when the submarine breaks and they have to swim away from the shark to the island with the sand and the magic tree house where they go back in time. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm six years old and I live in Brookings, South Dakota. My favorite book is Anna Green Gables because she hits Gilbert, Gilbert by uh, the head with a chalk, with a chalk um, plate and called her carrots and I never want to do it to anyone. You remember why she got so mad that he called her carrots? Why did he call her carrots? Because she... What color was her hair? Red and she didn't like it so she got hit him with a plate. Alright. Thank you, Grace. You want to say hi to Miss Sarah? Hi. <laughs> hi, Grace. I like that part of Anne of Green Gables too. Can you believe he called her carrots? My name is Sophie. My first is in Ireland and Canada. How old are you? I'm four years old. Good. And what's your favorite book? My favorite is Too Many Pumpkins. Too Many Pumpkins. Hello, my name is Dante, and I am eight years old. And I live in Ghana, that's part of Africa. And my favorite book. 
book is Homer Price. I like the part where the scars trap the robbers. Hello, my name is Iris. I am six years old. I live in Ghana. My favorite book is Homer Price. I like the part in Homer Price when the lady lost her bracelet and the room gets so full of donuts. Bye-bye. Thank you so very much, kids, for your messages. I love hearing those. If your kids would like to leave a message to be featured on the show, head to readaloudrevival.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to do that. It's super simple. I hope you join us in membership. Remember to get in by April 6th. Go to rarmembership.com to do that. Thank you so very much for listening. It is such a privilege to help you build your family culture around books. See you next time. Thank you.